Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and today I want to talk about transitioning your cat to new food. But before we jump into that, I want to welcome my handsome husband and co-host of this podcast, Dewey Vaughn. Hello, everybody, and hello to my beautiful wife and the great Molly DeVos of this show. (laughs) You're the star. What are you talking about? Are you kidding? (laughs) I could never do these podcasts and have all the information that you do and do all the research that you do. But before we jump into all of that. Good questions. Well, yeah, because that's about all I can do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the answers to them. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask them. So (laughs) let's go back. And what about the Bonding tip of the week. Don't we do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's do bonding tip. Our bonding tip of the week is sponsored by our friends at Vitacraft. And, you know, that's not a name. We hear, you know, bigger pet food manufacturer names a lot. But if you don't know about Vitacraft, Google them. And it's V-I-T-A-K-R-A-F-T. They make the yummiest cat treats out there, I think. I'm probably a little biased, but I've been using their, you know, their lick and lap in shelters for years. And not only is it really yummy, but they make quality products because, you know, they're based in Germany, actually, and they make very small batch products. And, you know, they're all about making sure that you bond with your cat better. And that's why they sponsor these bonding tips of the week. So this bonding tip is called safe petting zones for cats. And when I talk about this in my seminars that I do, I use this really funny um, graphic and it, and it has a, a silhouette of a cat and black silhouettes of a cat and one of a dog. And they have these lines, kind of like when you see sections of a cow, like when you're in the butcher shop and it talks about the different cuts of meat. So it's got these little white dotted lines and sections, you know, on their head and their shoulders and belly and legs and stuff. And on the dog one, every section is like, woohoo. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Touch me there. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And every section below a cat's neck is nope, not today, never there. Uh-uh, and so on. And, and, you know, that's basically the rule. Cats, you know, should be pet, from what I say, collar up, shoulders up, mostly. And, and you know, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, don't overdo it. Just pet for a very short time and then take your hand away and see if the cat wants to engage more. Most people who aren't familiar with cats will pet them, you know, kind of their mid back or like at the base of their tail as if it was a dog. And, and you know, maybe maybe sometimes that's because there's a little fear going on and they want to steer clear of that cat's mouth and keep their hands just out of biting range. But color up is what most cats prefer. I loved all that petting, grooming conversation. Yay! Oh, your mind always goes there. 
Dewey likes to be pet yeah, all over, ladies. Yeah, yeah. Forget the collar, too. <laughs> He's like, blow the collar, lower, everywhere, lower. Everywhere, everywhere. Okay, you know, I think Pico's a lot like that, though. Pico likes to be pet all over. <laughs> you know, and some cats do, but... Pico actually solicits belly rubs by rolling around on the floor. We get home and he does a little somersault and then he stretches way out and then he rolls around back and forth and wants you to come over and actually rub his belly. But, you know, that has everything to do with the way he was conditioned as a small kitten during his sensitive development period. And that's not a general rule for cats. And Pico probably should not even be used as a good example when we're talking about petting. <laughs> so, so where are the spots cats like to be pet most in that collar up safe petting zone? Um, the side of the face mostly because cats have glands, pheromone glands on the side of their face. That's why they rub on everything. And they, you know, they're putting that scent. We can't smell it, but it, they put their scent on things by rubbing on them. They like to be scratched under their chin. And some cats like to have their ears rubbed and, you know, between their ears and the top of the head. Some like to have their nose stroked, but stroke up in the direction that the hair grows. And a lot like to be pet under their collars. I, I always say that's like you know, a woman after wearing a bra all day. We like to have our back scratched, especially under the bra strap. I think it's a lot like that for cats and their mm -hmm. collars. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so. <laughs> all right, that's enough about safe petting zones now. Okay, yeah, because today's <laughs> podcast is really on transitioning to a new food. Okay, that's that's much better topic, I, I would say. It's safer. <laughs> it's definitely safer. So why would somebody want to be changing to a new food? Well, this podcast was actually recommended by Susie Spicer on Facebook when I put out a call on Facebook for people to help us and send us podcast topics. Oh, great. And yes, please, if anybody else is listening out there, and, I hope and, somebody else is listening. Yeah, I, I do too. Otherwise, we shouldn't be doing it. Other this. than you and me and Susie. Yeah. Yeah, really. So this is our 160th podcast. And so that's why I was going, okay, maybe it's crickets out there. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so could, could you, uh, if you think about a topic, uh, just always help us have fresh new material that, that's wonderful. Yeah. So if you help. can come up with something or you can think of something, just email any ideas to molly at cattalkradio.com. So what did Susie have to say when she requested this topic? She said she'd like to hear us, quote, discussing the importance of species appropriate diets for our beloved felines. That topic never gets old. But a new listener may be thinking about transitioning to a better food, and your encouragement could be the catalyst. It'll be a score, a win-win for the kitties. Yay! Win-win for the kitties is always good. That's why we do this in the first place. So that's, a, that's really good input and something you don't really spend a lot of time on. We've talked about what to feed your cat several episodes on specifics of 
nutrition, but, right. but we haven't really dove into the transition part. I get that. You know, I get you're trying to transition. So let's start with why someone would find themselves transitioning to new food. What leads them to, to be in that place? Well, hopefully they listen to one of our podcasts on what to feed your cat. And, you know, they're wanting to maybe improve the quality of the food to one that is more species appropriate. So explain what species appropriate really means. Well, that means to feed a food that is meant for that specific species. So in this context, cats are obligate carnivores, which means they don't need much more than meat and water. I talk about what cats do in the wild a lot, and that's because they still have a 96% DNA link that applies to their physical bodies and certainly includes the digestive system. So if we look at what a cat eats in the wild, that's going to look a lot like rodents and birds, but they don't, you know, they don't just chew off the meat and muscle. They kind of eat the whole carcass, bones and organs. And there's a lot of nutrients in those bones and organs that cats need. Okay. So (laughs) here you go. Trying to transition your cat from canned food to birds. Is that right? (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) That's not ideal, and that's not where I'm going with this, but that certainly would be more appropriate to the species, actually. (laughs) Just, you know, not great for the birds. But most people are trying to change from one brand of cat food to another. So why would they be doing that? Well, quality is the biggest reason. You know, I recommend that people buy, you know, things with no byproducts in it, you know, because byproducts are those nasty parts that are not only not meant for human consumption, but they might also contain, you know, diseased organs and, you know, things like that. It's not just the beaks and heads and feet and parts that are cut off and, you know, and not fed to people. I mean, there is still some protein source in that matter, but it can be some really nasty stuff. So I don't want to gross anybody out. If you want to know more, email me. I'm happy to send you information on byproducts, but just know to avoid those. And you want to avoid corn, wheat, gluten, and yes, sometimes wheat and gluten are listed separately on an ingredient list, and soy. So, you know, maybe they're feeding some inexpensive, cheap cat food full of all that nasty stuff. And you know, they want to improve the nutrition that their cat gets. And maybe the cat's obese. And this is a good time to cut back on as m- how much food you feed too. you know, kind, kind of like us when we make a decision to eat better. Okay, so what other than the ingredients you just listed, should someone consider when choosing a new canned cat food? Well, I mean, those avoiding those five ingredients, the byproducts, corn, wheat, gluten, soy are the big ones. But and also cats have kind of individual preferences on texture of food. And, you know, is there gravy? Is there not gravy? And how much gravy to meat you know, ratio is that? And so if your cat's been eating a pate texture and they like it, then when you go to switch to a new brand, make sure that you're sticking with that same texture. Now, cats are really, really picky. So what I recommend people do is they go buy 
you know, five or six different brands. I tell people to buy two cans of the same flavor of everything they buy. And then when they hit on one that the cat's really liking, then return all that other stuff and exchange it for the flavor that the cat liked. Because most pet food stores will take unopened cans back with no problem at all, even Petco, PetSmart and those kinds of places. Okay, so you just mentioned... You just mentioned um, this new food um, and the cats eat it. So what if, what if the transition is over? What do you mean? Okay, let me, let me repeat that. So if you just put down new food and the cats eat it, does that mean the transition is over? They, they like it or they don't like it, in other words? Well, no, it's... it's, it's- never that easy with cats you know cats hate change so if you pull away the old food and plop down something new you know there's 90 percent chance that the cat's just going to shun it because it's different you know it might not have anything to do at all with the cat actually liking it or will the cat actually eat it okay so how is the new change done then what do you do well i first of all I would start by using a food topper, a a kind of a a treat food topper. And, you know, Vitacraft makes a really good one. They make this stuff called Surprise. It's kind of like a stew. And so I would suggest buying the Surprise. Right now we're offering a 20% coupon uh, through Amazon on Surprise. So if you go to our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org forward slash bonding, then not only will you get to see videos of our bonding tips, but you'll have links to the products, Surprise being one of them. So get some of that Surprise and put it on top of the old food a little bit. The idea here is to have like a food topper kind of mask the food change somewhat, you know, so put the food topper on and, you know, you can use different ones until you find something that your cat loves or, you know, Lick and Lap, like we use Lick and Lap a lot as a food topper you know, or the surprise, whatever, both of those are good. But the first day, what I want you to do is first find the topper that the cat likes. And then in the transition time, on the first day, you put a tiny amount of the new food off to the side of the bowl or the plate. Don't mix it in with the old food and, and put the topper on top of both. I put a little dab on the new food and put your topper on the old food and just see if your cat eats it. It might, it might not. Don't get discouraged if it doesn't. That doesn't mean they don't like it. This means what is that new stuff on the side of the plate? And it also is kind of getting them used to the smell. So the second day, that won't be quite as foreign because I smelled it the first day. So the second day, you want to add that little bit and mix it in with the food this time and then put the food topper that they like on top of it. And the third day, you mix a little more in and so on and so forth. And your cat will be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So how much are you adding at a time and how many days will it take until the transition is complete? Well, on days two and three, you're putting in about, let's say, 10% of the food. So you're not increasing the volume of the food. I probably should have said that. You're actually reducing the amount of the old food and replacing it with the new food. So days two and three, you're going to mix in about 10% will be new food. And then days four and five, about 20% will be new food. And days six and seven, 
40% of new food. And then on the eighth day, you want equal portions, new and old. And on the ninth and 10th day, you want about 75% new food. And then by the 11th day, it's all new food. And on that last day, you know, put some additional cat treats on top as a reward for making it through that full transition and not boycotting the new food. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is the process the same if you're transitioning from dry food to canned? Or maybe should I ask, why would someone want to transition from dry to canned? Oh, don't get me started on that. And I'll be <laughs> ranting for hours if you ask me, why would someone not want to feed dry food? Oh, my gosh. Let's just say that dry food being an acceptable cat food is one of the biggest misconceptions of all times. <laughs> why? Surely there are pros to feeding kibble. <laughs> well, it's cheap. And it's convenient for the people, but that's about it. You know, the cons far outweigh that. The, the biggest issue is that you're feeding a dehydrated diet to a species who has evolved to eat prey that contains 80% of water. So the effects on the bladder and the kidneys are terrible, especially over time. You know, they, they stay mildly dehydrated their whole lives. And there's a reason that renal failure is the number one medical cause of death in cats. You know, dry foods are basically, they're based on starch. They're ultra processed and they're made with cheap ingredients. And, you know, many of those ingredients are of unknown and questionable origins. So it affects the whole body differently than feeding a hydrated diet, even down to the microbes that are in a cat's intestines. Okay, so what are some of the physical problems with feeding a dry diet? Well, for your cat, it's obesity is number one, right? Cats tend to be more obese. I hear a lot of people tell me, I don't want to feed my cat canned food. They'll get fat. Well, it's just the opposite. I mean, first of all, cats need fat, protein and fat and water in their diet. And so the, the thought of feeding a dry food because it doesn't contain fat or that your cats will get fat is just, it's just, completely counter to reality. So obesity is the number one potential problem, and that could lead to diabetes, especially cats given free access to unlimited food. You know, urinary tract disease comes up a lot due to, you know, concentrated urine and that dehydration. And dry food contributes to, you know, stress-induced cystitis and you know, chronic digestive upsets due to allergies and all kinds of stuff. Again, don't get me started on that. We have podcasts all about what to feed your cat. I'll get, I'm, let me get my soapbox out if I continue down this alley. So I'm assuming it's not more expensive to feed canned food then, right? Most people think it's a lot more expensive to feed canned food, but, um, you know, I, I, and, Maybe it is probably compared to cheap kibble. Of course, feeding a quality canned food is going to be more expensive, but you're going to make that back and more in the cat's later years in life of what you'll save on medical treatments. Okay. So let's get back to how someone transitions from dry food to canned. Well, that's going to depend greatly on the cat, you know, with dry food, I think it's so important to stop feeding it that I oftentimes recommend just doing it cold turkey, but it depends on the cat again. 
You know, a lot of people say, my cat won't eat canned food. I've tried it before. And, and I say they just haven't done the work to find the right food that the cats like. So if the cat will allow it, like, you know, a lot of people feed, you know, dry food, just leave it out, free feed it. And, you know, in a trough, there's a, like an open trough of food. And then as a treat, they'll give them a little bit of canned food every day. And so if you're doing that and the cat likes that canned food, then I just tell them, go cold turkey, you know, just take up that dry food. I'm not <laughs> saying don't feed your cat cold turkey. No, and I'm cold saying is, Pico loves it. Just take up the dry food and feed a bit of canned and see if he eats it. And I take it up and stop the dry food. You don't need to wean them from it. It's like smoking. Sometimes it's better if you just stop instead of trying to cut back a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's important not only to feed the style of food, you know, that the cat would eat in the wild, but also how they would eat in the wild, which means small portions fed frequently. You know, a cat's going to eat 10 to 20 small meals a day. You know, we feed Pico five times a day. Isn't the cat going to freak out, though, if the trough of food is removed and now having to depend on you and wait on meals? Well, <laughs> think of the bonding opportunities here. You know, one of the one of the bonding ways is to feed your cat more frequently. I mean, we'll probably make a bonding tip out of that at some point because cats know where that food's coming from. And this is one of those things that's more of an inconvenience to the owners, of course, feeding that often, but it's vital for the cat's health, you know, and, and if you go, I can't feed my cat five times a day, I work eight to 10 hours a day. Well, there are food timers for that. And if you want the link to the food timer, I like it's, it's not expensive. Just email me molly at cattalkradio.com. And I'm happy to send that to you is this is a, this feeding your cat, a good quality canned food is a lot easier than you think. <laughs> so what about transitioning raw food? You know, we do feed Pico raw food. Is the process the same in that transition? Well, it, it needs to be slowed down. It's got to be much slower because, you know, the intestines, the cat's intestines need need to get have time to build up the probiotics and things like that which are familiar with processing raw food, you know, especially if they've never had it before. I recommend putting Fortiflora on the top of the cat's meal. And you can just Google that in, in, in Amazon, you'll find Fortiflora, F-O-R-T-I-F-L-O-R-A. Those are probiotics. And that's going to help keeping things moving smoothly through the cat's system. Okay, that's another question. Should we expect cats to have diarrhea when changing into a new food? I mean, it's certainly possible. You know, any any change in food might upset their systems for a little bit, but you got to give their systems a chance to adjust. You know, the Fortiflora is great. So is pumpkin. If your cat will tolerate canned pumpkin, or there's a powdered pumpkin that we have a link to on our resources. Uh, section of the site, you know, so when you're transitioning to raw from canned, you know, cut that amount and add it in half, which means, you know, it'll take almost a full month to make that change. So, you know, like, like I said, if you're adding 10% of new food, make it 5% for the two or three days and then 10. And then, so you're going to, you're going to make that switch a lot slower and you're going to, you're going to, 
augment that with probiotics and probably some omega-3s, add some fish oil to that as well. That'll help keep their their systems regular. But don't be surprised if you have a soft stool for a few days as they're getting used to adjusting to the new food. Don't, Don't stop the process just because of that. They'll get used to it. So what about dry to raw? Well, I, I, you know, that's, you definitely don't want to pull up the dry food and cold turkey, just throw raw down like I was suggesting with canned. I absolutely suggest going from dry to canned food, feed that for six months, and then do the shift to raw. You know, unless the cat's having some, some serious health issues where we think, you know, a raw diet for whatever reason is going to be a, a, a good remedy for those health issues. Okay, so what about some of these or those health issues and what would they be? So I had a cat that I was feeding dry food. This was, you know, 30 plus years ago, long before I I knew what was right to feed cats. In fact, a lot of what I've learned about how to feed cats and cat nutrition came from this particular situation. I had a cat named Indiana lovely, lovely orange tabby. I know that surprises you, orange tabby. (laughs) (laughs) They're all orange tabby. In my house, they they are. And I Um, love that, yeah. But um, Indiana had what the vet called sludge in his bladder. So it it was kind of like crystals, but it wasn't really crystals. It was more sludgy. And he said, you know, that that it doesn't show up on a sonogram. And, but it was there. You could tell by, you know, his constant urinary tract infections and things like that. And so what the vet had to do was go in and actually take his bladder out, clean it out, and then put it back. And it was nasty. And it was a very, very, very long, slow healing process. And uh, so I went back to, of course, feeding him dry food because no one talked to me about why he was having crystals and sludge in 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 his bladder. And, um, and so, it, you know, six months later, it came back again. And I, I just knew in my gut that he, he being in Indiana, could not survive another one of those surgeries. And so I started doing research on it. And I found catinfo.org. And on that website, it's a vet that had published the benefits of feeding raw. And there were a lot of case studies, especially having to do with renal issues and bladder issues. And so I thought, Hey, I'll try it. And at the time there were not commercially available raw foods. So I had to actually order fresh ground rabbit from a a farm in New Jersey that raised rabbit specifically for pet food industry. And then I'd have to mix in egg yolks and psyllium husk and fish oil and B12 and all the things that cats need, extra taurine, stuff like that. And, um, and I did do that pretty cold turkey because I had to save him. And, and it did. I, I swear that, 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 that just simple change in diet saved that cat's life. Oh, that's amazing. And, and that's good, good job and, and researching and, that was back before you knew all this stuff about cats. And oh, stuff. yeah. So that was great to research that. So what about older cats? Is the transition process different for them because of their age? Not really. Um, you know, they might be more sensitive and set in their ways. You know, old cats, 
20 years and up, like our friend's cats we met the other day, you know, these poor cats, they've been eating dry food their whole lives. They're morbidly obese. I mean, it's a, it's a sad story, but you know, it's never too late to change for the better, but sometimes, you know, like that, that the damage has really been done at that point. So, um, so I would say, you know, do, do what makes your cat, you know, do what makes your cat happy. If your cat is 20 years old, if your cat is, you know, 10 years old, then absolutely it's never too late to switch to a new diet. If your cat is having any urinary or bladder or renal issues, change to a a better food. It's never too late. It's just like us saying, you know, my mom is 80 and, and is it too late for her to start eating foods that are good for her? Well, no, of course not. She's going to be healthier for it. So, Okay, so it sounds like the bottom line here is absolutely you should switch from dry to a hydrated diet and you should go super slow with the transition process and your cat will not play along. If you don't. If you don't? Yep. That's okay. Pretty much it in a nutshell. You know, it's you want to, you absolutely want to switch from a diet dry to a hydrated diet. And whatever you do when you transition, except maybe dry to hydrated, dry to canned, you want to go super slow. Otherwise, you're not going to have a lot of success. So that's it. And again, like Susie, send us topics you want to hear about. Just email them to molly at cattalkradio.com. Wow. What a great podcast this is like all the others that you do molly it's just amazing actually the ones where people send in the topics are so much better than the ones i have to make up on my own so help us out you guys hear that send (laughs) us some topics yay topics i would also want to invite you to help support the with the work that molly does she provides these podcasts and other resources for free Molly works many behavior cases for free to low-income cat parents. She does anything she can do to keep the cats out of the shelters. That's the main objective here. Cats out of the shelters, and she's doing that one behavior at a time. And to you, she's giving you all the resources to help you do that. And so she's doing her part. You do your part. Everybody gets the cats out of the shelter. So if you also care about cats, consider sending us a gratuity donation. Super easy. Just go to the store, catbehaviorsolutions.com, and scroll down past the products to the very bottom, and then you're going to see many different donation amounts. Pick one, add it to your cart, check out, and yay. Well, before you check out, buy some of those Vitacraft treats. We'll have them on the site. And get some of those treats that you can use as a food topper from our site, or go to Amazon, get them there. Those are great. We've got wonderful wand toys, food puzzles also, stuff like that. And it's free shipping for orders over $49. So buy your cat $30 of cat treats and then throw in a $20 donation to help us stay on the air. And then check out because it'll be free shipping. And be sure to go out there on social media and find us and like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and things like that. This is an all-volunteer business. We don't take any salaries out. We volunteer our time because we are dedicated to helping you take better care of your cat and increasing that bond between you and your cats. And we're going to keep doing it as long as shelter Shelter euthanasia euthanasia is is the number number one one cause of death in cats. cats. 
Thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.